This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I'm Russ Goldman, and co-hosting today will be Scott Tanfield and John Cummins from Friends of Foam. This is a Q&A with the guys from Friends of Foam, as they will answer your questions submitted to a post on Friends of Foam. I also have some topics that I'll be asking them as well. We have a lot to talk about. Before we get going, though, I have to welcome my co-host to the show from Friends of Foam. First, Mr. Tanfield, how are you doing? I'm very well, Russ, here. I am doing great. I look forward to doing this with you. It should be fun. Yes, it's been a while since we've been on. I suppose we've all been busy with um, obviously bits and pieces and in the uh, obviously Wembley uh, promotion. Uh, but no, it's, it's nice to be back on, Russ. It's great to have you on, Scott. It's been a while and I look forward to getting your thoughts on film and, and also on uh, the final. We'll be talking about that to start the show. But before I do anything else, I have to welcome John Cummins to the show. He is also known as White JC on Friends of Foam. He does a lot of work for Friends of Foam, designs a lot of things that you see on Friends of Foam. John, welcome to Cottage Talk. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing really good, especially after the, the, the game on Saturday. I'm I'm still buzzing, so <laughs> pretty cool. Well, listen, I, I look forward to talking with you, my friend. I I followed you a, a lot on Friends of Foam. Obviously, you do a great job along with Scott and everyone else associated with Friends of Foam, and that's why I'm glad that we could do this Q&A. But I also have some topics that I want to start us off with. And uh, let's get going with that. Let's just start, you know, you've already mentioned this. Let's talk about the final at Wembley, and uh, I've done this already on Cottage Talk. I've shared my views, but I want your view, just what it meant to you and your thoughts of the final. Well, what did it mean? Um, I was at Wembley in 75, uh, at the tender age of 16. So, yes, I'm nearly 60. Um, don't remember much about the, that Wembley game, um, but I do remember Hamburg. I was there, and I remember that was a great day apart from the result. But the day, the Saturday, I nothing like it, absolutely nothing like it, um, was quite incredible. And... To walk into Wembley and just to see that wall of white fans. That so impressive, just stunning. Very impressive. Just stunning. Um, and it, it was, I, I know you guys were talking about it from coming from a hockey game and so on. Right. But if we can do replicate that at the hammy end, 
every game next season, that's got to be worth an extra three, six points to us. It's got to be. It was just wonderful. Absolutely. I'm glad that you brought up the white wall because I, I felt honored to be among it. When I walked into Wembley and I saw for the first time, I was amazed. And I've been to all kinds of sporting events. I've never seen anything like that. But it was more of the feeling behind it, being a part of all that, John, just that, that feeling that oh, absolutely um, part of something special. Well, the, the, this kind of puts the lie to the fact that Fulham doesn't, doesn't have any real fans. They're all tourists. Um, <laughs> well, pulls that out of the water. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it was – I'd love to have been in, in the uh, Aston Villa and just to see it. But it, oh. it looked fantastic from where I was. It definitely did. And uh, listen, I've watched back the match I don't know how many times. I, I want to say at least a dozen. And whenever they show shots of it, it is truly spectacular when you see it. The entire half of Wembley like that. It is just amazing. And and I'm glad that you shared that with me, my friend. Uh, Scott, over to you. I want to just, again, let's just start off talking about Wembley and what it meant to you. And and if you want to share your thoughts on the white wall, feel free to as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of a bit younger than John. Um, I mean, we <laughs> sat together at Wembley, uh, so I wasn't I wasn't there originally in the, in the '75 final, but Dad was. So for me, it, it was the first trip out to Wembley. Um, I went to Hamburg. You know, I spent four days there. You know, and for me, that was kind of you know my my height of of, of watching Fulham. But you know, um, it, you know, this tops it. I mean. Um, I mean, even just a day walking up to Wembley, you know, sort of having a drink, and you just had this kind of feel of confidence. Um, everyone before the game was confident we were going to get a result. It just, it, it was our day, Russ, you know? Yes, um, absolutely, you know, Scott. You know, the white wall, you know, the people, you know, standing in, in the pub with the other top buses driving past, and, you know, we, we, we just made it our day, and, you know, the, the game tops it off for me. Um, I mean, Sat with Johnny would admit last fifteen minutes I sort of had head in hands I couldn't wash it. Um, you know, I'm there but, with you guys. I was right yeah. there with you. But it was just amazing that that whole white wall thing. You know, I've watched yep. it back three or four times, and I, I have to keep pinching myself. You know, they're talking about Premiership football at work. You know, the Arsenal fans and Liverpool fans, and I have to come to and say we're part of that this season. We're, we're, we're back up there. We're competing with these guys now. You know, and um, you know, it's just it still hasn't sunk in. It really hasn't. It hasn't for me either, Scott, but what's interesting about all this, and when I was there and, you know, and, and it happens and, and at the final whistle, I've already said this, it, it certainly didn't sink in then. You know, it didn't sink in my entire time when I was in London. It just didn't, and I don't think it even has now. It might not sink in, Scott, until we're watching that first match back in the Premier League. I think then it might finally sink in, but it was yeah. truly amazing. But one of the things I want to talk to you before we move on, is that you've been on several times during this season. And let's just talk about the journey, my friend, because we've talked a lot about this season. Where they started to where they ended is amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you always know I'm, I'm never one of the most positive people. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always known as Mr. Negative on, on everything that Fulham do. And it's been, you know, it's been, it's been a massive journey, I think, um, from the beginning of obviously the summer. You know, we didn't quite get you know the transfers right and then you know we we were languishing in sort of seventh and bottom after a few games and you know Savisa was getting it after a while and a few people wanted him out and I think you know murmurs from us as well weren't quite sure what he was doing and um you know and all of a sudden we we sort of had this mass turnaround and and we become a force and we're unbeaten for, for 23 games Russ and um you know it's I would say it's probably one of the most exciting seasons um of highs and lows that I've experienced in a while, you know, through this club. It was amazing, Scott, because we did go through those highs and lows. And uh, at certain points, you're thinking, how did we get to where we got? But they, they figured it out. And uh, a lot had to happen for it, for us to all be together in the white wall at Wembley. And that's what makes this so special. It was a special season. I I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this with any sporting team. And that includes the New England Patriots. I haven't experienced this. This was truly special and amazing. and I'm. Just glad I was there for that final to be a part of it. It was simply just spectacular. All right, guys, let's now get... Can I just say one thing with the 23-game run? is for, For a Fulham fan, going into a game, knowing that we're not going to get beaten, in the middle of that 23-game unbeaten run, 
it, it was just an unusual feeling. And it's an incredible feeling. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, and because we normally go, yeah, well, maybe hope we don't get back, beat too badly or only, yeah, we play well. And we, but no, it was, there was a, such a confidence that, that we were going to do it. And if we hadn't have gone up, then all of that would have been for nothing. Right. And that would have been a crime. Let me ask you this. Did you feel that confidence that Scott was talking about walking up to Wembley? Yes. Okay, yeah, excellent. I was at the I was at the uh Derby away game and um people moaned that you know because we we lost one nil and that we didn't pay that well. That, that was rubbish. We ruled that game but it was so one-sided yet we lost it. And then the 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 home game against Derby we just I think we just proved a point. And we, and we carried that on, and winning the derby at, at home, we weren't going to lose it at Wembley. Okay, excellent, Scott. Do you have anything else you wanted to share on that? Yeah, no. I said what John says there. It's just you know you had you had that kind of feeling of of, of not being beaten. I know that I went, I travelled to Birmingham. It was a disappointing game there, and yes, you know, we 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 lost at, at, at derby, but. We, we never really lost that confidence. You know, once we put our foot back on the ball, we just knew, you know, that we were going to sort of just bring that into the final. And, I mean, you looked at every single one of them players all the way through from the goalkeeper to Kamara. They run that extra mile. Um, you know, they put in that extra tackle. Every single one of those players was fighting for each other out there in that game. And it, and it showed through at the end of the day. Okay. And I totally agree with you. And uh, it all came together at Wembley and we saw it and uh, thankfully now Fulham are back in the Premier League and I cannot wait for the upcoming season. Yeah. Alright guys, let's now get into the Cottage Talk roundtable. I have a few topics for you. We have to start with some breaking news uh, when we're recording this. It's Tuesday night in England and a few hours before there was the news that Ryan Fredericks had signed with West Ham. And uh, before I get your thoughts on this, I want to share a poll I did earlier in the week because I, I had a feeling this could happen and obviously it did happen. I put this on the Cottage Talk uh, Twitter page. I also did a Facebook poll. Uh, I will check that as well. But let's start with the Cottage Talk Twitter poll that I, that I did because I find these results interesting. I just asked the question, in light of all the recent speculation regarding Ryan Fredericks with his potential transfer to West Ham, would you prefer him to stay or go? Stay was at 84% and go was at 16%. And that was out of 637 votes. And and uh, there are a decent amount of votes as well on the uh, Facebook page. I'll check that in a second. But, Scott, I, I just want to go to you because I wanted to bring that up to start, our discussion about Ryan Fredericks, because it's it's been pretty obvious to me between these two polls, and I'll share, share the other results in just a second. The fans wanted him to stay, but... Apparently, Ryan Fredericks wanted to go. I'll I'll also read a, a tweet that he sent out that talks about that. But just get your initial reaction to uh, Ryan Fredericks going to West Ham. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think this has been a done deal for a while, Russ. Uh, Agreed. I think, I think the approach had been made a little while ago. And the, the, the reason why he's not renewed his contract, um, with Sirius Christie coming in, um, you know. he was on the wall, Scott. Yeah. It was a good buy from Borough. I mean, I've got a few Borough mates that you know were sort of absolutely seething when they let him go because he, he's such a good prospect. Doesn't have the raw pace that Fredericks does, not that far behind, but as a defensive right back um, and his crossing abilities is a little bit better than Fredericks. Um, you know, Fredericks been with us for a while. He's put in a good stint. He could have thrown his toys out of the pram and left earlier, you know, but he stuck with it. He sent his contract through. Um, you know, for him. As a, as a free agent, I mean, what's he looking at, Russ? He could be sort of 50 grand a week with West Ham. Um, little signing on fee with that. You know, he plays for West Ham. They are a big club at the end of the day. Um, you know, and I've always said, regardless of whether we stayed down or we went up, we were going to lose some players. Um, right. The difference being is, you know, we're now a premiership club. We can probably replace Fredericks like for like or better in that position. Um, and we move on, and I'll just put my hands up and say, you know, thanks, Fredericks, part of, you know, getting us up in the Premiership, and, and best of luck. Okay, excellent there, Scott, and uh, 
John, over to you. I just want to read real quickly the poll on the Facebook page of, of Cottage Talk. It's a little less numbers. The amount is actually, the votes are about the same, 659. Stay was at 75% and go was at 25%, where I believe it was 84 to 16 on the Twitter poll. But, you know, I mean, it's still a good amount of fans wanted him to stay. So I, 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 think he was I want to get a, your thoughts on it. I, I think he was a popular player. And he, let's face it, he did a really good job for us. He did. Um, if he could actually kick a ball at goal and <laughs> his final crosses were a little bit better, then he'd have been signed up by Man United or Arsenal or Real Madrid or someone. Right. He's, he's a really good player, but, but he's not the best I've ever seen. Um, and we've got a ready-made replacement in, in Cyrus. So, um, yeah, I'm sad to see him go, but actually I, I'm not surprised. Um, like, like you guys, I thought he was going three or four months ago, and I've yeah. sort of kind of worked out that, right, he's off. So it's a shame, but I wish him the best. Um, I think he'll regress it, but then I think everyone who leaves Fulham regrets it. <laughs> I have a funny feeling you're going to be right about this. The grass isn't always green. I've seen a lot yeah. of that after the announcement of him signing. But, John, I, w- I want to read this tweet from uh, Ryan Fredericks because uh, I find it interesting and uh, I want to get your thoughts on it. This is what yeah. he tweeted shortly after it was announced that he was going to West Ham. This is what he has to say. Firstly, I'd like to thank everyone at Fulham for an amazing three seasons at the football club. I love my time in the club and haven't got one bad word to say about the club. Everyone from the lads to the press team, Maunders to Fabs and the kitchen staff were great to me. I'm so happy I could end my time at the club in the best possible way with promotion to the Premier League, which you all deserve. All good things must come to an end, and I felt like it was the right move in my career to progress and a new challenge which would take me out of my comfort zone. I have to thank Tony and the owner for bringing me in, especially a massive thank you to the manager for believing in me, filling me with confidence and letting me play in a way that resulted in me making the team of the season. I wish all the best and we'll see you this season. Come on, you whites. That's from Ryan Fredericks. And he tweeted that to the Fulham Football Club Twitter page. So, John, what are your thoughts about what what Ryan had to share here? No, I I think that that's really nice. And it it shows a bit of style about, him leaving for for his own personal reasons, for whatever they they are, whether it's it's just money or whether it's ambition on his part. Um, and I just hope he regrets the six points that we're going to take off him next season. That's so funny. I, I actually agree with you. I think you know. And again, I understand him wanting a, a new challenge, but I think he's not going into a better spot. That's just my opinion. Of- no, I, well, I, I think that the fact that he's, he's thanking uh, Slavisa and he's thanking the team around him. Yeah. The, he, yeah, it's, it, when you start a new job, it, it is all new and, and there's, you've got to take what you've learned before and try and apply it, but to match it. And, and I think he's, he might struggle. I'm, I've, I've got no animosity towards him. Sure. But as I say, I, I think... Um, I'd, I'd be happy if we took six points off his new team. <laughs> I hear you there, and I hope that does happen. Scott, what are your thoughts about the comments from Ryan Fredericks? Yeah, and I, I think it's typical of, you know, I think he's he's had three years at Fulham. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's a career change for him. I mean, right. you know, there's no law in football these days, Russ. We know that. It's very rare yes, that you, you get sort of testimonials these days. And, you know, he, he's had a good three years. Um, you know, we, we've invested in him. You know, he's stuck by what he said he'll do. And, you know, he's got his promotion. I think for him, you know, West Ham, they are a bigger club than us. Um, you know, the Olympic Stadium, you know, Pellegrini coming in, um, you know, for him, it's it's new territory. It's it's a new challenge, and, and sometimes you know, and obviously there's a few more quid in it for him. Obviously, yeah. I mean, he's probably on about fifteen grand with Fulham, and he's he's going to be on about fifty grand with West Ham. So, for him, you know, it's a career change. It's a new era, and I'm with John with this. I mean, it could quite easily backfire. I mean, the, the level of you know play in the champion, uh, sorry, in the Premiership is. 
going to be a lot more tougher. Is raw speed, you know, going to do it for Ryan? We know that he can be susceptible sort of in defence, um, and he, he he's not one of the sharpest attackers. Um, so it is going to be a challenge for him. You know, it, it doesn't mean that he's going to make the first team every game. Um, sure. But look, same as John, I will know Asmosi against him. I wish him all the best. Um, oh, I'm wow. looking forward to taking six points off. I look at it just like you guys, and I'm not trying to be mean by saying taking six points off of him, and that I think that he's going to uh, a situation that's not as good as the one he's leaving. That's just how I feel. It's a good deal for him, probably, and uh, best of luck to him, and we'll see what happens. I, I like Fulham's chances against West Ham this season. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right, guys, let's move on. Scott, right back to you. I was actually alerted to this Saturday morning, which will probably be about Saturday afternoon, your time. The speculation involving Slavisa Jokanovic that started in Italy. And uh, I was actually contacted by a friend of mine who has some connections to some people in Italy dealing with the media and just to let me know what's going on. And uh, I was a little surprised by this. What are your thoughts about all this speculation, Scott? Um, I mean, I don't think there's any surprise that he's now being noticed. I mean, if he if he has another good season with us in the Premiership or another good, couple of good seasons, he, he could quite be, you know, he could be, he could be targeted again by Chelsea. Um, he plays a brand of football that's attractive. I think he plays a brand of football that will suit the Premiership a lot more than it does the Championship. Um, you know, and this is the second time of asking that he's got a club promoted and um, we're enjoyable to watch. Other clubs are going to be looking at that, not just Chelsea, but there are going to be other suitors around that are, are going to start fitting up. By the time we spend a bit of money this season, we're also going to be you know, a much better outfit in the Premier League and, and, and the variety of football is going to be better. And um, Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I look at Chelsea and think, you know, would they take the risk with um, Djukanovic? Probably not. They're, you know, they're not going to take somebody without um, sort of premiership experience. They're going to go more for a safety net you know, with them. Um, and I think today, wasn't there something about someone's sort of let rumble that I think Blanc is, is possibly in there now, apart from his Um But look, we're, we're going to get this. I mean, if anyone thought we was going to sort of win the playoffs, have a nice relaxing summer, <laughs> kick off the Premiership in, in, in bright sunshine, wasn't going to happen. This summer's <laughs> going to be more stressful than the season we've just had because... We're successful and we're going to be targeting left, right and centre, whether it's going to be good players or whether it's going to be for our coach. The stakes are higher, Scott. It's, you know, yeah. again, I look at it this way. It's funny because, listen, we've accomplished a great deal. I'm talking about foam. But um, this is going to sound weird to say, but the real work begins because now you're in the Premier League. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, very good. Over to you, John. I, w- I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I also want to mention that my friend who actually produces – this podcast called the Couch Alarm Podcast, all about Italian football. He was alerted to this situation because uh, the host is uh, associated with Demarzio. So that's how I got wind of this. But he happens to be a Chelsea supporter. And he has been going back and forth with Chelsea supporters for the past three days, arguing about Jokanovic, what Jokanovic could bring to Chelsea, because many Chelsea supporters don't want Jokanovic <coughs> when they start hearing the name. What are no, your thoughts on that? Because I think they're very naive. Um, I don't care. Let, let, <laughs> let them carry on being naive. Um, that, that was going to be my point, that uh, the Chelsea supporters that I know and I've spoken to yeah. don't want him. The, no, they he, don't. He's not a big enough name. Exactly. And if, <laughs> if I was Slavisa, and I know I'm biased because... I, I wouldn't go to Chelsea for all the tea in China, but that's just <laughs> uh, you know ancient rivalries and all that. But sure. taking that aside, if you look at what they've done to their managers over the past few seasons, it doesn't matter how successful you are, you're going to go. Absolutely. And you, know, you can win the Champions League, you're gone. You can win the Premier League and then the FA Cup, you're gone. He's... He's too canny for that. He's too good for that to to just be traded as as a commodity. He's he's more than that. He's he's one of the the really great managers, I believe. Uh, certainly, he's one of the greatest that Fulham have, have ever had, if not the yeah. greatest. But the, his style of football and his philosophy that he's got into a team of 
pretty good players, he's made them great. And that, if you put him into a team of great players like Chelsea have, or like Man United have, or Arsenal, or, or Liverpool, or whoever, can he make them any better than they are? I, I'm not convinced. It's, it's like Roy Hodgson and, and what happened to him after he, he left Fulham. When he went to Liverpool. Well, yeah, and, and it, was, it was a nightmare for him. It was. And then England, and, and now he's, he's back on track again at Crystal Palace. But it, there's a club mentality that, that need to buy into what their managers are. Liverpool haven't got it. Chelsea haven't got it. They, they need big and brash and, and larger than life. And Djukanovic isn't. He, he's just a down-to-earth, we play the game my way, we do it right, we play football. And he, that's not what Chelsea... Chelsea wants success at any cost. Right. John, you uh, brought up a good point because the players have to buy in. Everyone has to buy yeah. in. That's how it worked with Fulham. And maybe that's what did not work at Liverpool with Roy Hodgson. They didn't all buy into him. Oh, absolutely. You have to buy into the manager. And if you don't, it's not going to work. And that's actually something very interesting that you brought up. Scott, what what are your thoughts about that? Because Jokanovic is a true coach. And we're lucky to have him. But I think John brings up a good point. If he goes to Chelsea, I don't know if it works because I don't know if they listen to him. That's the problem you've got. I mean, Djukanovic now has, has had two sort of bites at this. He, you know, he was with Watford, um, and obviously they didn't offer him great terms when they went up. But then, you know, I think that's because they wanted their own guy, um, and he, he was sort of cheated there. You know, he's had a little bit of struggle with Fulham. You know, sort of um, um, the owners and everything buying into his philosophy. It's it's happened. Right. You know, and, and we've gained Premiership football, and you know, he's still doing her. A job. He's still got a journey with this club. For me, you know, if he was to jump ship and, and maybe go to Chelsea, you know, you're looking at money. You're looking at maybe a season there before he gets the chop. Um, and he's achieved nothing. You know, he's achieved nothing um, in, in in a way of, of trying to tackle this division. With Fulham, I feel he gets to do that. I mean, even if we got relegated, Russ, I still feel that the club would keep him and his philosophy, um, so we can go again the following season. If we bounce back, we'd probably be a lot stronger. Um, with us, it's more of a work in progress, and I think he can lay more foundations with us. He goes to Chelsea, yeah, and he has a foundation that's knocked down just like the others. Totally agree, Scott, because the way I look at it, if you're comparing the two clubs, obviously Chelsea has expectations that are Champions League winning everything. But with Fulham, he has the opportunity to build something long-term. Let's hope it's long-term, because I would like to see him in Fulham for a long time. I don't think he has that. In fact, I doubt he has that at Chelsea because I agree with both of you. I think they would give him a season and then he's probably gone because they just chop and change managers so quickly. It doesn't give you a chance to build a philosophy, build a way of doing things. He's doing that at Fulham and that's why I hope he stays because I could see it continue to grow. And like you said, even if we do get relegated, I think the seeds have already been placed to have us then come right back up because he's he, this philosophy will be ingrained in Fulham. And uh, that's why I, you know, again, when I saw this, I'm thinking it's just not the right fit for him. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for Chelsea either. It, it really doesn't. He's a very good that's manager, but but I just don't know if he would work at Chelsea. I, it just doesn't, you know, just like John brought up with uh, Liverpool and Roy Hodgson, it, it has to be the right fit. And I don't see this as the right fit. All right, guys. And a big, and a big thing, Russ. Sorry, just quickly. Yes. Is also the fans fine, as we've seen already. Already, ninety percent of Chelsea fans don't even know who he was and that they play that he played. That's the Chelsea. crazy part of this, Scott. He, 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 he played the, for them, and they don't even yeah. know this. He, he he wasn't the greatest player for them, but he still what did he play a season, season and a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least you know we recognise players that play for them. I mean, you look at most, and they're like, who is he? Who's this guy? And it's like you look at him and think, Christ. I mean, the bottom line is, if the fans haven't accepted him already, then he's never going to be accepted. The biggest battle is getting the fans on the side. As soon as someone like Jukanovic joins Chelsea, he's not big enough, he's not good enough. And as soon as you don't win them over within the first three or four games, you are finished. And it's as simple as that. that's what happened with Roy. That's exactly what happened with Roy, Scott. That's a very good point. Very good. 
very interesting discussion on, on Slavisa. But let's move on. We're going to just do one more topic in the Cars Talk Roundtable because we have a good amount of questions for our Q&A from Friends of Fulham. And, uh, John, I'm, I'm going to go to you. I just want to get your thoughts. Let's just talk about this, the uh, ticket situation with Fulham. There's been a lot of talk the last couple of days. So yeah. let's just talk about it. I want to get your thoughts on it, and then I'll go to Scott. Well, the, the, the fact that we're in the premiership, I don't think should come to anyone um, as a shock that suddenly prices have gone up. Um, the amount they've gone up with, I can see a few people getting ruffled feathers about. Um, but the, there was an issue when we were last in the premiership with the amount of touts who bought a number of season tickets just so they could sell them for the Man United games, the Chelsea right. games, the Arsenal games. And they could make their money back for buying that season ticket in three or four games. And I think that's something that possibly the club have, have got to. one eye to. Um, it doesn't help the regular fans. No. Um, and the you know the guys who've been going years and years and years to suddenly get a, a, a 40 or 70% hike in whatever the price. It, it's, a, it's a lot of money. It's gone up. Um, but I'm not surprised. I don't think it's right, but that it's, it's the way it is. It, it's the way the market is. You either pay your money and go into the games or you don't. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation because I had a feeling this was coming down the pipe. You know, we go back to the Premier League and I, I you know, you, you got to figure that, that this is potentially going to happen and it looks like it's going to happen. And uh, Scott, I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of knew it was coming. I think all fans did. I mean, the, yeah. the actual the rise, I think, is is quite a bit. But I think John's touched on something there, which is a possibility. And another thing I thought about was that the club is always going to offer an early bird type scenario with season right. tickets. Regardless of whatever happens, you're back in the Premiership, you're going to pay more money. You're not going to get it like I got in the in the Championship, where it works out my season ticket was about eleven pound a game. It's it's not going to happen. We're you know we're moving from Burton, Rotherham, you know, to, to Manchester United, Arsenal, and, right. and, and unfortunately that's part parcel Premiership football. The other way you've got to look at it is um, I know they want to put bums on the seats, but you've got things like tourism and stuff like that. You're now going to gain them amount of people. Um, your hardcore fan base, maybe, yes, you look after and, and offer an early bird situation where they renew early and they get a decent price. Anyone outside of that that's coming in that wants to sort of be fashionable watching Fulham the weekend or whatever, you're going to hit their pocket. Um, so I can see it from both sides. I can I can see why they've done it. Um, I mean, I think somebody brought up that there's a child, I don't know what I looked at, there's actually a child ticket that's £999 in the Riverside. Um, but then, obviously, you take into consideration in the family block, it's 129, you know? Right. Um, that kind of corporate divide thing is happening at Fulham now. You know, you're, you're, you're paying for sort of corporate and you're, and, you're, and you're paying to watch football. The swing the swing has started, and I think this is, you know, where it was going to go at some point, Russ, to be honest with you. When a new Riverside stand is built, it's, it's going to probably spiral a little bit more, you know? Another thing that's interesting is that with the Premier League setting away fans maximum charge at 30 quid a, a ticket that's got to hit uh fulham and, and the smaller clubs when the big boys come to town right because before we would have been charging 50 60 quid to watch man united play well we can only do half that now oh it's a very interesting topic guys and i'm glad we're talking about it and uh scott brings up a good point when the riverside stand development project is done get ready for that because uh i live here in massachusetts and when they built gillette stadium tickets went through the roof and uh, i was shocked by how much they jumped and unfortunately that's what happens when you have situations like that i believe it happened with liverpool as well when uh when they had their their new stand redeveloped it it, it happens and uh we just got to be ready for it. i'm glad scott alerted so, everyone to that i'm sorry john you want to say something the other interesting thing though is that ticket prices relatively speaking make up a small amount 
of the club's income over a season. Very true. So um, if, if you look at the German model, where, where they're paying between 15 and 20 pounds for the equivalent uh, Premier League tickets, and we're going to be paying 60, 70 pounds for, for the same thing. It's, it's not a different product. It's just in a different country. Um, and with all the, the TV money that's pouring into uh, the, the English game, it does make you wonder. It does. It's actually a good point. I'm glad that you brought up the German model. And uh, it's a tough subject. I wish there was a, a good answer for it. I can understand, like, you guys are talking about it on, on both sides. It's hard because uh, no one wants to see their tickets go up. I certainly don't want to see that. I feel bad for the fans that are dealing with that. But um, it's a business. That that's a, a bad way to talk about it. But it is, and uh, these things well, are it, going to happen. It is. There's, the issue comes when we're, we're no longer fans. We're customers. Yeah. And and yeah. that hits. It hits hard. It, it, it hits you in the heart, and it hits you in the wallet. It does. I'm sorry, Scott, did you have something you wanted no, to add? Yeah, sorry, I, I was going to sort of touch on what we were talking about there, sort of being business and, and being football. And, and I think the philosophy has changed a lot more now with, with, with the Khans, you know, going back to the Premier League this time, I think financially and the model that we sit on is going to be completely different, you know. Um, it's been a while since we've been back, things have changed and, and we need to compete, you know. Right. Um, and also, you know, prices are going to reflect that in the pocket, you know. So. Okay, very good there. Scott, all right, let's now um, look at some topics that were submitted to Friends of Foam. And uh, thank you, everyone, that submitted a, a question or a topic. We might not be able to get to all of them, but I certainly will try to get to several of them. And, guys, let's start here. This is from Maidstone Lee. Here is the topic. Hi, Russ. Favorite moment of the season, aside from the playoffs, and who they're looking forward to playing most next season. So this is for you guys. So favorite moment of the season, and then also who you're looking forward to playing, Scott. Oh Christ, it's it's one of those ones I love being back in in the Premiership, um, the the big boys, um, Russ. But who am I not looking forward to to be playing against? <laughs> because you know I have an office full of Arsenal fans, you know Manchester <laughs> United fans, Tottenham fans, you know, and we're going to get it in the air when we get beat, and you're going to get the Tottenham yeah. fans talking about. Top them, top them, top Spurs, 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 <laughs> and it, you know, and it, it goes round and round. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm sort of looking. I, you know, I'm just pleased to be back up there with the elite. To be honest, okay. uh, um, every single game for me this season is different. You know, since the last four years, and, and I'm just going to embrace it. Okay, what was your favourite moment though? Uh, this season, um, it's got to be the playoffs. Um, yes. You know, I thought we'd we we'd bucked it up, you know, when I went to Birmingham, as I said, I travelled up the night before, stayed, a group of us all went out um, up Broad Street, you know, we were all confident, got there on a the day and something just wasn't right, you know. Um, probably one of the worst I've seen us play all season. Maybe nerves, don't know. Um, and at that point, I drove home, which is about sort of two, two and a half hours and, you know, I was I was gutted. We were, we were, we were just that close of getting yeah. it. However, the way that we went and achieved promotion through playoff, the day out through Wembley, you know, the perfect game, you know, the perfect setup for us. You just can't top that throughout that season. Nothing, nothing will top that throughout that season. It was the icing on the cake for us. Okay. So for you, it was coming back from that Birmingham City match and then leading into the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. How about during the season? Um, oh, Christ. There, there were so many ups and lows, uh, ups and downs. I mean, obviously, the... The defeat at Sunderland had me seething. Um, but, I mean, the season was just great on a whole, really. I mean, yes. it's attractive attacking football. I mean, I can't really sort of pinpoint any games, you know, Russ, to be honest with you. Um, if I was going to say the Wolves match for me. Yeah, the Wolves match. I mean, we showed strength, talent um, to, to turn over a very, very good side. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was a highlight. I mean, there were, so, there were so many Russ throughout that season for me, yep. you know. There are. That's why uh, it, it's an interesting topic. John, over to you. Well, Favorite moment of the season besides the playoffs? That was the uh, yeah. topic here. If you want to talk about the playoffs, feel free to as well. And then uh, who are you looking forward to uh, seeing Fulham play this season? The the, the playoffs were just awesome. It was incredible. But for apart from that, my highlight was that run of six games where we were playing the, the top teams and 
we knew that we had to do something against them. And what, was it five wins out of six we got there and a, five wins and a draw at the start of the, the uh, 32 game? Yeah, round. I think it was Bristol City was the draw. Or, uh, it was just, that, that was phenomenal that, and so unexpected and so unlike Fulham. Um, <laughs> and it, and, but it's the manner in which we played as well it, that there was really tough games and we ground out victories and there were games where, like the Wolves game, where they could have been bottom of the league and we could have been running away champions and no one would have been at all surprised. Right. It was that sequence that, that I can't pick out a single game, but it was that that sequence in in the at the start of the thirty two match run was was just incredible, and, and I think it made a lot of teams sit up and take notice and actually fear us. They, That's a great way to put it, John. Because while you're talking about this, I'm thinking about what you said earlier about the confidence of Fulham going into Wembley, what you and Scott were talking about it. I think it was born right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, we, nobody expected us to win any of those games, let alone pretty much all of them. And it was, it was on the message board. It was all, this is the season defining moment, this game, this game, this game, this game. And we kept on winning. And and playing well, or grinding it out, and, and it was just—it it was a fantastic run, and it was that built up this feeling of invincibility. It was incredible. Okay, excellent. There, all right, guys, let's move on. Uh, We—I have two questions from Milo Scott. I'm going to start with you. Mm-hmm. Here's the question: Which of the loanies would you sign, and who can we actually obtain for the right money? Petro. <laughs> um. <laughs> For for both, uh, um, if he costs us twenty million, I, I think it's worth it. Um, I don't think he'll have another half a season like he's had this last half. Um, everything just clicked into place, and it will be a lot tougher. But I think he fits Fulham, and Fulham fits him. Um, Very good. The the other guy, I. Target, I'd, I'd love Matty yeah. Target to, to join as well. The balance that he gave to the back four and to the team in general was superb. It was really, really good. Okay. Scott? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think John's right with Mitra. I mean, I think he's got to be on the top of the list. Um, I mean, I don't think you're going to get him for less than 20 million, but then obviously you, you've got to look at spending that money when you're up in this division. Um I've always said, you know, an investment less than fifty million, um, you know, you, you're not going to make any ground, really. Um, you know, he's not going to have the season he did in the championship, but for me, he's that type of striker that's going to put himself about defenders, hustle them, you know, cause them problems. You know, he's not going to score as many goals, but he could complement another decent quick striker by the side Absolutely. of him. You know, totally agree. Um, and 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 that's what I see with that. Yeah, Matty Target. Um, I would love him. I just if, if uh, Bertram's on the move, I can't see Southampton getting rid of him. I think he signed a recent new four-year deal. Um, but if you're looking at the Callises, um, the who else have we got there? Callis on loan. We've got Piazza. Um, yeah, Piazza on. I mean, for me, no, they're not worth the ten million a piece that, that the Chelsea are asking for. Right. I think we can do better in them situations. And I would probably take um I'll take the Irish fella in midfield, um, just as a as a, a squad no. player. I think he's yeah, I think he's I think he's useful. And if you can get him for sort of three, four million from, from Brighton, he does a job. He does that job well of coming on and shoring things up for the last five, ten, fifteen minutes, and he can take a penalty, you know? Um okay. But yeah, I mean that would be my basis, Russ. But I sure. think uh, obviously we need to invest quite heavily to to bring the standard of that squad up. Absolutely, and I agree with you guys. Listen, I start with Mitrovic, and uh, the uh, target situation might be difficult. I would certainly give that a shot as well. But I start with Mitrovic, and uh, then I find uh, that compliment to go along with Mitrovic that you talked about, Scott, in the uh, transfer market. But I think he's the place where I start. I, I start with Mitrovic, so I, I definitely agree with you guys on that. Here's another topic, Scott, right back to you. Which of our areas need 
to be upgraded for the Premier League example we have discussed, Johansson, Adoy, and even Betts on here over recent weeks. This is again from Milo. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame because I think every every club that tends to go up, one of the first positions that they tend to strengthen is is a goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, I love the way that Betts has come on this season. You know, he's played he's played on a good side um, and he's improved a lot since that new goalkeeping coach has come in and since, obviously, with Dick Button, he's come through. Um, is he premiership quality? Does he deserve his chance? Yes, I believe he deserves his chance because of the effort that he's put in and, and, and how he's come on. Is he quite premiership quality yet? I don't think he is, Russ. Um, I think we're going to need a little bit more between the sticks and you might have to find that Bettinelli maybe goes back to the bench for a season or two to, to mature a little bit more and maybe won't make his way into the premiership. Um, okay. But we'll see We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, for me, a pairing of Reem and Adoy isn't going to cut it. Um, you know, you, you're going to need a, a good centre-half there. Whether you keep Reem or not, you, you can't have Adoy or Callas. You, you need to strengthen in those areas. Um, I think they're the most important areas that you need to strengthen. Johansson's an engine. I think we could do with a with a more technical player there, um, possibly another wide player, and I, I think you know a, a striker to complement uh, Mitrovic as well. Okay, excellent. Over to you, John. It's funny because uh, Scott pretty much read my mind. I like mm-hmm. Marcus Benelli, but I think uh, you have to look into upgrading that position, keeping yeah. bets there. But I think when you're going up a division, you have to be honest with yourself. You need a Premier League-ready goalkeeper. I'm not saying that he's not, maybe just not right now. So I see where Scott's going on that. And I also see where Scott's going with uh, the centre-back situation. Totally yeah. agree with everything Scott said. Do you agree or disagree with Scott's sentiments? No, I, I, I do agree. And um, I mean, I like Bettinelli. I, I think he's really good. But he's still really young, especially for a goalkeeper. Um, so... If if we could get in a really decent uh, goalkeeper to to help him out as well, um, and, and Fulham have always been good with goalkeepers one way or another. Um, so I, I'd hate to see him go, but I'd lo- I'd like to see him given some some help because I, I right. think he's going to need it. Okay, very good there. All right, my friend, right back to you. This is from Best of Bread. I'm just going to read the uh, comment here and then uh, have you guys talk about it. Hi, Russ. Anyone with any realistic expectations will realize that next season we'll see a massive change in games, points, possession, domination, and league position. Even with our superb season behind us, I found many friends of phone posts very negative, almost as if the posters would prefer a non-positive result so that they could post their thoughts, picking on certain players, certain play that caused issues, coach issues, etc., etc. So to the friends of Fulham people involved in your show, what can be done, if anything, to stop the constant negative posts infiltrating all enthusiast, supportive posts when we're celebrating a win, however it was attained? Perhaps introduce two threads for every game, advising that other than positive celebratory views, other constructive criticism is allowed on the positive threat. This is no easy question to answer, I know, but wonder if it's been discussed. So, yeah, so I, I would, one thing I would say is that this season, the amount of negativity on the board has been far less than in the previous three or four. Okay. So um, I, I, I do take the point that some people can be negative just because that's the only way they're happy um but i don't think it's been as bad as it has been in the past as as for setting something in in line that that said okay only positive um voices in this post and only negative voices in in that post that that's not going to work either okay Scott, what are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with um, with John. I think from the initial relegation for the Premier League, and obviously the you know the problems we had when the Carnes first took over, with you know the demise of you know the gaff and everything else. I mean, we had some really, really sort of um, 
poisonous stuff posted, you know, some real negative kind of areas within the board, you know, everything was was a negative. And I can understand what Best of Bread is saying. I mean, we get it. I mean, me, John, you know, we've been involved in this for 10 years. And, you know, it's one of the things with, with forums. It's, it's about balanced opinions. Right. As soon as you start taking it one way, someone else will automatically want to take it the other because that's what forums do. You know, people are opinionated. They want to discuss opinion. And if you try separating it, the problem you get is that it can cause a bigger negative than it can a positive, if that makes sense. Right. So it's about keeping an even balance on the board. You need some negativity because you need topics for people to discuss and you need positivity to make everyone feel great. If it was all positive, we'd have nothing to moan about. And with football, there's mistakes, you know, there's bad things as well as good right, things. You need balance is, is what you're yeah. talking about. And they and they all need discussing. Um, and, and, and sometimes, as soon as somebody puts something slightly negative on the ball, they're jumped on as if like you're being negative. And, and sometimes for me, it, it's kind of having an opinion, you know. And if that opinion, if you don't agree with that opinion, discuss it. Let's not right. get aggressive with it. Let's not let's not be negative about it. But let's discuss. And sometimes, you know, we 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 do find out that the threads can get out of control. But we, you know, we do we, we do do things behind the scenes to sort of remove certain words, certain things, and you know, we try to keep it balanced. Um, right. As, uh, to answer Best of Bread's question is that you know maybe we can we can look at sort of you know controlling things a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I agree with John. Splitting top, topics is just not going to work. To be honest. Okay. The, the the other thing I'd I'd like to say is that sure. not not picking on a particular forum poster, but the, um, there's our old friends Lighthouse, who in the past was uh, a very much a glass half empty, but recently the past couple of years has come over more of a glass half full, and it's almost as if the the way the team has played, the the way that the the whole thing's moving forward, it's just put this feeling of oh well okay yeah well maybe it's not everything's not perfect everything's not right but we're going in the right direction. It it isn't one step forward two steps back anymore. There, there there's a general feeling I think of we we're getting better at this as as a team and as a group of fans, we're, we're enjoying it more. Of course, a, when we go on a, a, you know, six game losing streak, then that could be tough. <laughs> but it goes back it's to what right. Scott said before, John, it's all about trying to get the balance and that's not easy to do sometimes. No, no, it's not. And, and the, the other thing is that, you may think that that something is right, and I, and I think that something is is different. It it doesn't mean to say that that your view is wrong or my view is wrong no, because Scott's got a completely different view of right. it. And uh, but that's what makes a, a good discussion, a, an interesting discussion, is when it gets into name calling and when people are, are just taking the opposite point of view just for the sake of it. That. That's not fun. Right. Right. Totally agree. And uh, it's a good discussion that we're having on this. I'm glad that uh, we had that uh, comment topic for us to talk about. And you guys, I thought, did a very nice job of uh, discussing it. It's not an easy discussion. That's kind of how it ended when uh, at the very end, he says, there's there's no easy question or answer. I know, but wondered if it's been discussed. So we we talked about it. And I'm glad you guys uh, did discuss this all right well, i think the point is that that behind the scenes the, the moderators we, we do talk about the general um feeling and mood of the board and how we can moderate it how we right. can keep it just ticking over you know um stop name calling and right handbags and stuff so oh. listen i hear you and uh i'm glad that you said this john because in any sport that I follow, any team I follow, everyone has an opinion. No yeah. one is right or wrong. It's an opinion. And that's yeah. what makes a discussion. If you have an opinion, you might disagree with it. But that's how you start a good discussion, a good debate. And it doesn't need to go to that next level with a name calling. I think that's what needs to be uh, eliminated as, as, as much as possible. Just have a talk. Discuss it. And everyone's the, a fan of Fulham. 
at the end of the day, we're Fulham fans. Exactly. That's the point. We're all interested in, in the same team and, and want the same result. Let's have a talk about it. We might disagree on it. It doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong. We're just talking yeah. about it. Absolutely. All right, guys, because we are running short of time. Uh, unfortunately, I can't get to all the questions from Jelmo. Jelmo actually had three for you guys. So I'm just going to read one. And then FFC Chris had one as well. They're both about Mitrovic, so I'm going to give them both to you together. So Jemo asked this question. How much is too much for Mitro? What would be a good price for him? FFC Chris asked this question. If Mitro doesn't join us, who would you like to see instead as our main target man? So I'll go to you first, John. I'll give you Jemo's question. How much is too much for Mitro? And what would be a good price for? Uh, I, well, I, I think that we're going to pay around twenty million for him. Um, I think that's more than he's worth, but he's it's not as much as he's worth to us. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Um, if you want the player, you have to pay for it. Yeah, I I I, I think he's um, if if it started. Getting the to the twenty five million, we're, no, we right. we could do better elsewhere. As for um, as for somebody different, yep. I would probably look at uh, Matty Vidra from um, uh, because Slavisa worked with him at Watford, and I think he could turn into the. That's same a very sort of interesting name to bring sort of to the player. table, Vidra. Um, other than that, yeah, Ronaldo, who knows? <laughs> All right. Scott, over to you on, on these two questions involving Mitrovic. How much is too much for Mitro and what would be a good price for him? And that was from Jemo and FFC Chris asked, if Mitro doesn't join us, who would you like to see instead as our main target man? Um, I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not going to get him for 10 million, not in this division. No. Um, I think a sensible price, if, if you start at 15 and get, get a knock back and get him anywhere under 20 million, um, you you've got a decent price for him. Um, you know it's 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 how Newcastle value him and and, and how much they want to price him out of a move. But they you know they can always get stupid with price. We know that. Um, sure. We've also got to try and be sensible in this market. To be honest with you, and not overpay for players that we you know. I mean, you're not going to go paying twenty five thirty million for each trade. It's just not going to yeah. happen. Um, you're going to spend that money elsewhere. Oh, um, if he doesn't step up, we've always got Corley Woodrow, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he's got as an alternative, who would be an alternative for you? He's got his contract, I think, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm so out of touch at the moment, Russ, in regards okay. to who, who's out there. I just need this summer to acclimatise, really, to find out who's <laughs> out there as possible targets, really. To be honest, I, I, can't, I can't answer that one. Okay, not a problem I, there, Scott. Just, I just like... on that, that point as well on our existing uh, strikers. Yep. I think that Rui Font could really do a job for us, be, being less physical in the Premiership than in the Championship. Well, there's an argument that I've heard from one of my co-hosts brought that up that told me while, while I was in England, Emilio said to me, he thinks that Rui Font might be more valuable in the Premier League. It might fit his uh, attributes better than the Championship. Yeah, because yeah, it, it, he hasn't got the physical strength of, of Mitro. Or, or AK comes to that, who, who I think I, is one of my – he was close to being my favourite player of the season, AK. I just – I loved his, his enthusiasm and his pulling a china shop attitude, and it was great. I love it um, too. So I, I'd love to see Mitro, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion it won't happen. Okay. Okay, very good there. Guys, fantastic show, great show. I've really enjoyed doing this with you. John, thank you so much for uh, coming on Cottage Talk tonight. Oh, I really appreciate pleasure. it. I hope you come back again soon. I would love to. I would love to, Russ. Really enjoyed okay. it. Okay. It, it was a pleasure having you. Mr. Tanfield, you need to be on Cottage Talk more. I always enjoy having you on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. I say life, work, everything else, and you know, it's, it's kind of amazing run we've been on has taken preference. But, um, no, it's good to get back, Russ, discuss things, and, um, yeah, just um, keeping on with the show, you know. Okay, excellent. Well, you guys were fantastic. But it is time to wrap this up for John and Scott of Friends of Foam. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.